Shalon picked up the charcoal pencil and flipped through to a blank page in her sketchbook. She passed several pictures of the symbol-headed creatures, some set in this very room. They lurked around her always. At some times, she thought she saw them in the corner of her eyes. At others, she could hear them whispering. She hadn't dared speak back to them again. Heroes of presents StormPod, a Stormlight Archive podcast. Book One, The Way of Kings. a quick spoiler warning for chapters 70, 71, and 72. Wow, it feels weird saying that. 70, 71, and 72. We're, we're almost done this book. I really hope you're almost done this book too, because if you are um, lagging behind, I don't want you being spoiled. There is lots of information in this uh, these three chapters. So please go back and read the chapters you need to, and then come back and find us. If you are exactly where you're supposed to be, which is at the end of the book with us, I really hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Sean Q. And, you know, some say that we defeated the Voidbringers and forced them off Roshar. But but I know the truth. We we turned them into podcasters. Everybody, it's Jack. What's up, man? Hey. Hey, your favorite My Voidbringer. favorite. Yeah, you're. Uh, I see that you're <laughs> dressed in black and red. I am wearing black yeah, and red. Yeah, you're wearing red. your patented uh, Rush Because t-shirt. of something I just oh. read. Wow, look at that. I'm actually wearing black and red as well. Total happy accident. Uh, Bob Ross would be uh, would be proud of us. I've got a Rush t-shirt on. And I, a little, a and little I have a, a Heroes of t-shirt on. One of our uh, one of our t-shirts that oh, Mike made. Well, look at that. Oh, um, total transparency here. This is the third time we've tried to record this episode because my Mac sucks and it keeps freezing on us. So maybe we should start like a GoFundMe for uh, for a new computer because this fucking thing sucks, man. We might have to do this, but I kind of like this. This, this kind of feels like a menage a trois. (laughs) I think this is the third time, baby. A menage a trois is different than... Uh, failing to record a podcast three times. Is this an? This might be an Uno Dos oh, Tras. There you go, like a um, like an El Mariachi band. Yes, I've been actually listening to uh, the soundtracks for El Mariachi and Desperado, and Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Mm. Uh, these last few weeks, mm. because my character in our D and D group is a like yeah. um, Latino uh, fighter. I've modeled him after Antonio Banderas and Desperado, mm. so I've been kind of. Soaking myself yeah. into that musical culture, and it's so good, man. It's so awesome. <laughs> Los Lobos are friggin' amazing, man. The music they write is Robert uh, Rodriguez, so good. Man. He's he's a he's a serious. He's a he's yeah. A he's great. I like him a lot too. Um, I yeah. I even actually like the Spy Kids movies because my kids like them. So, <laughs> yeah. oh yeah, I've actually never seen those. Actually, I I miss those, but I've heard the first that one fun, is so actually really great. It's a, it's it's worth watching. Yeah, for oh, yeah? sure. It's really good. Oh. Antonio. 
Um, so let's get right into it here well, before our, my computer freezes again. Let's try to get through this chapter first. Okay, let's let's give it a shot. Um, so yeah, part five: the silence yeah. above. This is nice. This so Shalon Dalinar Kaladin Zeth mm-hmm. Wit are what we were going to be covering here. First three, the first three chapters here are really yeah, amazing. Are. I was saying to you uh, before that you know so much is given here in such a um, a small sort of I, I, I guess relative to the other chapters like these chapters right. are quite short but there's so much in them so but you get quite a bit right. packed in them I feel like and you were saying that they kind of felt like yeah yeah they kind of feel like an info dump like at the end of the book they info yeah dump. it's it's kind of a, a weird at the thing beginning that we, of the show we uh we kind of stumbled upon that when we tried to record last time and I was like hey I think that Part five is sort of like an info dump, which is hilarious because this whole time I've been trying mm-hmm. to model our show after the book. Like we have the dramatic read at the beginning, just like the epigraphs before every chapter. And we try to right. really hone in on the on the fan art on social media because there's so much art in the in the book that I want to, you know, show people mm-hmm. all this really incredible fan art from the fans or from the Stormlight Archive fans. And uh, and then now we by accident we realize hey part five is sort of like an info dump and we kind of did that too so i like that i like it i like that and that's the way it is uh, <laughs> uh i feel like we should be saying uh something about sea of glass and that uh amazing blondie song yeah um. uh, heart of glass <laughs> Isn't it Heart of Glass? Yeah. Heart of Glass, yeah. I don't, I, yeah, I don't know Dude, what the lyrics uh, are of that song. I've, I just, been, uh, I've been kind of steeped in like 70s punk rock for a while because of this other podcast I listened to, oh, No Dogs in Space. They, they've they just been kind of covering all this really awesome 70s punk rock. And like Blondie was serious mm-hmm. back then. Before, before they got oh, yeah. to be like poppy, they were serious, man. Like it's really cool. Didn't she write a song that basically was like, um, like a, a serious precursor to hip hop? Yeah, dude. Rapture. Like, Rapture. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, dude. She like. I know. Yeah. She was. It's pretty serious. In New York City. She was one of the first people that was like this, this thing that's happening on the streets is serious. Yeah. And, it's serious. And she liked yeah. it a lot yeah. and she wanted yeah. to show totally. it off. She gives shout outs to like DJs in that song and stuff. And it's really cool. Well, shout out to Blondie. And the heart of glass, but we should probably get back to the sea of glass. Yes, let's get back to the sea of glass. Um, so yeah, we okay. So this Shalon, chapter here, we have no epigraph. This is like one of the first times we no, don't get no death. Quote in the here, interludes, yeah. we don't get one, but in here, in the an actual regular chapter, we don't get one either. So it's uh, it's mm. kind of weird. It's it's a weird. It is. It's different, but um, I think the reason why is because we get to. It's that's part of our info dump is that we get to find right. out what's going on uh, soon with regards to right, that. right. Um, so Shalon has cried herself dry, retching into her bedpan over what she had done, betraying Yasna. Mm-hmm. Why did she feel so sick about Capsule? He was an assassin willing to risk her life and yet she missed him. And she's yeah, she, torn apart with these thoughts of like, had it all really been a lie? Yeah. She's just racked with guilt over the, the, the betrayal of Yasna and like, she has like actual longing and, and, and misses this guy who turned out to be an assassin, but she starts thinking like, you know, he, 
he, I think he actually liked me, he, regardless of the fact that he, you know, almost killed right. me and tried to kill Yasna. He, I think he liked me because he was always super sweet. And he tried, she says this, he tried to oh, give me the sweet. jam before he took it himself. Right. And, you know, that, I think that Which we. Which appears to sound like he was thinking about her. Right. And you and I t- sort of right. talked about this already in a past episode. Mm-hmm. We went into it as well in our bo- our bonus Valentine's Day episode that you can find mm-hmm. if you join patreon.com slash heroes of. Little shameless plug there. But if you become a patron member, you can access these bonus episodes. And in that, we actually talked quite extensively about whether or not we think Capsule cared for Shalon or if it was all just a front. But. She's thinking about that now too. She is. Yeah. And she's also thinking like, why didn't the antidote save him? Because he had, um, he had taken some of this jam into his mouth. Right. So why, why had that not worked? Right. So that's, that's plaguing her mind right now. And also. But then when she begins thinking about Yasna, she's like, well, hang on a second. Yasna ate the bread. I remember her eating it, but right. how would she survive? Because when it came to the jam, she didn't take any. No, she smelled it. Remember we, we, we covered yeah. this last time. She smelled yeah. it and didn't give right. any outward um, a look that it smelt bad. Remember because it was spoiled, right? right? It was Here, let me, uh, let me read this part to you. Uh, Yasna hadn't made any faces at the scent. In fact, Yasna hadn't mentioned that the jam had spoiled. She had just replaced the lid and handed back the jar. And this coupled with right. why, like this, the bread, and then um, coupled with a capsules, um, like n- the antidote not working for him, it's gotten her start to start thinking about some stuff. She's like, you know what? Mm. I gotta, she's got this thing that she can do, right? Like this investigative tool that yeah. she can do. Yeah, totally. Well, I mean, what I, I love, yeah, you're right. I love what she does in this moment when she's trying to figure this out, right. this little mystery, she's like Nancy Drew, right? Right. Um, and she thinks, well, I'm going to do what I do best. I'm going to draw. So she grabs her sketch pad out mm-hmm. and she begins drawing Yasna at that moment. And as she's sketching her, she begins to realize that, okay, um, she had taken a piece of this bread, raised it to her lips. And after eating it, she'd grimaced says here in the text, and then it says odd, which I thought was kind of nice. Yeah. Well, I think this is definitely a shout out. This definitely uh, doubles down on our odd that thing, because Mm -hmm. we know later that Yasna soul casted. She -hmm. did something supernatural to the bread. And I think Sanderson is tipping his hat to us here by saying odd, because he's used that as a signal for something supernatural happening to one of these characters. Right. So I think it's very fitting. You pointed that out last time we tried to record, and it's very fitting that the odd is in there. And that in the sketch, it looked like the bread was melting, Mm -hmm. which I I mentioned to you last time. I I thought that it reminded me of Salvador Dali Mm -hmm. and the melting clocks. Yeah, it looked off to Um, her. And and this isn't a a blinked memory that Shalon's doing. This is just off the... top of her head trying to remember like specific details and it's incredible that she can remember such specific things without actually using mm. her ability I guess we call it of being able to blink mm. this like photographic memory thing 
This is just right. her trying to remember off the cuff, and man, she does a great job. One of the mm-hmm. things that we skipped over quickly here, I want to point out, is the um, how she's when she's before she goes to draw that picture oh, of Yasna, mm, she fl- starts yeah. flipping through and she sees these pictures of the symbol-headed things, and the way it's yeah. described here is so creepy. Do you want to do you want to read that little part it for is. us? Yeah, yeah. Shalon picks up her charcoal pencil and flip through to a blank page in her sketchbook. She passed several pictures of the symbol-headed creatures, some set in this very room. They lurked around her, always. At some times, she thought she saw them out of the corners of her eyes. At others, she could hear them whispering. She hadn't dared speak back to them again. Yeah. it's Yeah, it's really creepy. It's, it's so like, creepy. Oh, was I was. I think I was joking last time. It's like, oh, oh, there's Annabelle over there. Oh, okay, that's nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look, it's uh, Jason Voorhees. Oh, oh, hi, Mr. Voorhees. Oh, hi. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, that would creep you know me out. I mean, if it me was about a little bit. Oh, there's is... the girl from the Ring. Oh, hi, Samara. Oh, it's Ring Girl. Oh, you're twitching and walking weird. I've always oh, thought Ring nice. Girl is just really upset because no one's brushed her hair in a while. Like if someone yeah, would have brushed needs, her hair, maybe she would have. Just give her a, she just wanted a comb, a brush, a comb. Yeah, she just needs a nice soak. She needs a bath with some bubbles. Get her in touch with Rapunzel. They would have, they would have, <laughs> they would have done wonders girl, with that. <laughs> Rapunzel's like, girl, you need some serious hair care products. Yeah. You need some, 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 yeah, some hair, but I am an expert in hair because I currently have the most hair. <laughs> I got this conditioner you're going to love. <laughs> okay, so we're getting away from symbol-headed creatures here again, yeah. but but you're right that that is a very creepy uh, paragraph. I mean, they're like j- just the presence of those beings yeah. is really odd. I love I love the fact that you could you know see them um, when you're conscious, like like looking around. But I really like the idea of being able to see them in mirrors yeah. and um, and uh, like out of the corner from your, your peripheral and, and stuff. Or even that they're like alien beings that, you know, hover around you and just like stand beside your bed and watch mm-hmm. you, you know, this kind of, this kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, it's crazy. Like that's It kind really of reminds creepy. me a little bit of, remember that um, POV that we got with Gaz? And Gaz has only got the mm-hmm. one eye and he always mm-hmm. wonders what's happening on that side of him. Like, because it's like darkness unseen, I think it was called, right? So that mm-hmm. darkness that exists on that side of his body where he can't see, he's always right. worried there's creatures there. And it makes me think of that a little right. bit. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little creepy. That's, uh, I forgot about, yeah, Gaz. Good old Gaz. Yeah. We haven't, dude, he disappeared, man. That character is gone. Do we, do we know? Well, he just disappeared one day, remember? Yeah, I I know he disappeared, but I I was trying to recollect, like. And Cal, Cal even shows, um, some worry for him. He's like, we haven't seen him in a while. And High Lady Hashala is like, uh, you know, he was taken care of or whatever. Hmm. So. Poor Gaz, man. Oh, well. Maybe yeah. they'll do a Zayman but, um, so, so working with her uh, pencils and her art here and, like, finding the melty bread and, like, the all this stuff, it gives Shalon mm-hmm. an idea. And she's all like, I'm out of here. Let's." Uh, she leaves the hospital. I'm going to... I'm going to confront Yasna about this. Yeah. Is what she's is what she's going to do. So she takes off in her white robe. I thought it was interesting that she's wearing white, like the assassin. <laughs> yeah. Like <clears throat> so yeah. I, whom whom I we know is that. actually in the city. Yeah. Yeah. Coming to Carbranth. Yeah. Yeah. We'll I always that. wondered about the, um, the timing of this and whether or not they're mm-hmm. in the city at the same time. Like, I feel like they are. I think I, it feels to me like they are. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's really cool to think about. Like they could have passed so each crosses... other on the street or something. You know what I mean? Like Shalon could have very well have passed Zeth yeah. on the street on the, like uh, that Zeth is on the way to the palace or something. I don't know. It just, it's, it's neat. Yeah. Passed each other on the street. <laughs> um, she crossed quietly through the city, making her way to the Relinza. Uh, walking toward the conclave, red hair blowing, it says here on page 1209. Red hair blowing, I thought, maybe is there a breeze guiding this character? I don't know. I think that there was. I At think the that there is sure. with, with, with Shallan because she arrived by, by ship. It, I remember the text with the, um, mm-hmm. uh, who are our favorite uh, long eyebrowed friends here? Oh, He's, the Thalens. Um, Toesbeck, the yeah. uh, the sailor. Yeah, Toesbeck. Uh, okay, Toesbeck is taking me back. Yeah, has um, <laughs> toes me back. Toes me back. Um, okay, so red hair flowing. So she's walking down, and she's entering into the veil. She's recognized, but allowed to proceed. She does notice uh, Yasna's alcove is occupied, as always, because Yasna is always working. She's always working. What does she have to lose? She says, "I'm I'm going to confront her. I'm going to go right up to her." Yeah. I like so it. she sees Yasna sitting at her desk and Yasna says, you are not welcome here. Right. Don't make me call the soldiers to get rid of you. I could have thrown you in a prison for a hundred years for what you did. Do you have any idea what, and then Shalon just blurts out, the soul caster you wear is a fake. It was a fake the whole time, even before I made the swap and Yasna froze. Yeah. Here it is, my friend. We have to congratulate <laughs> you with a little bit of a slow clap clap. Thank you. Thank you. You, Your theory you. from chapters and chapters ago about mm-hmm. whether or not they were soul casting, or whether or not they even needed the Fabriel to soul cast came true. You are right. right. So I think I guessed that, but that, as it turns out, is not. So I was wondering whether you needed the Fabriels to soul cast at all. Mm-hmm. It's somewhere but in the middle, right? as it turns right? out, yeah, as it turns out, this is something unique to these women. These women can do it without the Fabrials, but soul casting Fabrials are actually a thing that can be used. A thing. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So cool. Complex. I'm so happy for you. I'm so proud of you, dude. (laughs) (laughs) I predicted something. (laughs) I win. I win the book. La la la. (laughs) I feel good. It feels better than being wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Wrong. Strange. It's a good Depeche Mode song. Um, don't make me call. Yeah. So, okay. Um, I wondered why you didn't notice the switch. Shalon says. Mm-hmm. Didn't make any sense unless the soul caster I stole was a decoy. And Yasna replies, yes, very clever of you to realize that. I keep several decoys. You're not the first to try to steal the Fabriel, you see. I keep the real one carefully hidden, of course. Yeah, I like how uh, Yasna thinks she's got an out here. <clears throat> she thinks she's got some way to be able to, oh yeah, very clever of you. Of course I have mm-hmm. decoys. But like, mm-hmm. Shalon isn't having it. She's not biting on this and saying, oh, I guess I was wrong. I guess it could have been just any decoy. Shalon doubles down mm-hmm. on her theory here. I like this a lot. Yeah. So she takes out her sketch pad and she searches through all yeah. of her stuff. And then she finds uh-huh. the picture she did of the place she went to, which we know now is called Shadesmar. And Shadesmar, Shalon yeah. uh, looks at it and then turns it over to Yasna. And 
<laughs> this is like one of my yeah. favorite parts. This might be my highlight yeah. of this chapter. Um, the the, of the look chapter. of utter shock Yasna displayed was nearly worth the night spent feeling sick and guilty. Yasna's eyes bulged and she sputtered for that uh, for a moment, trying to find words. Ya- uh, Shalon blinked, taking a memory of that. She couldn't help herself. Yeah, I love yeah. that so much. She had to get a permanent memory of besting Yasna, <laughs> yeah, of, or surprising, exactly. or surprising Yasna yeah. to know. Yasna's uh, to no probably end. Yeah. never looked like that ever <clears throat> in her life, and Yasna yeah, she's like literally took a picture of it and posted it on <laughs> Facebook for everyone to see. It's just it's like one of those it's like one of those like awkward you know celebrity poses where you catch somebody with your tongue hanging out yeah and they're like oh your eyes half closed (laughs) yeah Yeah. you got a big you got a big pimple on your forehead and you haven't addressed it yeah it's exactly that it's like oh my god all the all the um the newspapers are going to be like Yasna Colin (laughs) looking stupefied. <laughs> it becomes a popular print. It, it's a meme. <laughs> it becomes yeah, a meme. No, well, it's, it, it's a print. Like you can buy the yeah. buy the picture. Right? <laughs> you can hang it off to, over top of so your she fireplace. Draws it, Yasna, like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's oh, great. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, where did you find that? Yasna says, "What book described that scene to you?" And Shalon says, "No, no book, Yasna. Um, I visited that place the night that I accidentally." soul cast the goblet in my room to blood and then covered it up by faking a suicide attempt mm-hmm. impossible there is no fabril is there yasna there's no soul caster there never has been you use the fake fabril to distract people from the fact that you have the power to soul cast on your own yasna fell silent i did it too shalon said the soul caster was tucked away in my safe pouch i wasn't touching it but that didn't matter it was a fake. What I did, I did without it. Perhaps being near you had changed me somehow. It has something to do with that place and those creatures. And I love this mm-hmm. line a lot that you know, perhaps being near you has changed me. It's true. Right. It's not only true from the soul casting perspective, but it's true from the thief that was going to steal this Fabriel when she arrived right. in town to the scholar that she is now. Look how right. look how different her intro is to this moment. She wa- like walks with confidence into the Palinaeum, into the Vale, yeah. right up to Yasna Colon and says, "You're lying." And at the right. beginning, she's like, um, "I don't know. Maybe I could be your ward." <laughs> like completely yeah. a different yeah. person. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the proximity to Yasna has changed her. Mm-hmm. She really says has. there's a line later that we'll cover, I'm sure. But she says that like she mm-hmm. opened up a box of storms inside her. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's a really good like you know depiction of yeah, how like Shalon's feeling. She's got all these like a torrent of emotions inside her, and they've been unlocked by Yasna, which you know is is cool. And it's also got a little bit of I don't know if this is just me, but it's got a little bit of like a sexual energy to it a little bit now I, I'm not saying that there is but like you know you've opened up something inside me it's got a little bit of yeah. a metaphor there yeah you know well I mean I, I don't I don't know where it's going that way but I think that um to say that Shalon is I guess you could use the word attracted but you could say that um Yasna is you know definitely somebody that Shalon wants to be around right 
and whether or not it's in a sexual nature, it yeah. definitely lends itself right. to this like um she's like Shal- like Shalon is be- you're right. Shalon's becoming a different person around Yasna and that's exciting. Yeah. It's exciting mm-hmm. for her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's uh, interesting. I, I kind of, uh, I'm kind of interested, and I hope I don't know where that's going in the future, but that's that's that might be something neat for Shalon and Yasna. Um, okay. Um, I like it that she says in a moment here, the, with regards to the Soulcaster and the and the swapping. Shalon says, "You hadn't spotted my swap yet. Don't try to tell me otherwise." Yeah. I took it on the night when you killed those four thugs. Yasna's violet eyes showed a glimmer of surprise. Yeah. So Yasna again was was caught unknowing. Yeah. Right. So we just had a previous uh, sort of a uh, um, well when she takes the picture of her with the bulging eyes, surprise that she's showing her Shadesmar mm-hmm. on this uh, drawing. But yet again, with regards to when she switched. Right. Yasna didn't know. So I was, I was wrong. I was wrong about that big time. Mm-hmm. I thought Yasna was, you know, three, four steps ahead of Shalon the whole yeah. time. And she wasn't. I like in this next little paragraph here, she, she lays it out. She lays out exactly what she thinks happened that night with the strawberry jam. She's yeah, like, go ahead. you suspected Capsule of being an assassin. You knew immediately mm-hmm. what had happened when I fell and you were expecting poison or at least were aware that it was possible. But you thought the poison was in the jam. You soul cast it when you opened the lid and pretended to smell it. You didn't know how to recreate strawberry jam. When you tried, you made that vile concoction that was left. Mm -hmm. You thought to get rid of the poison, which she did, but you inadvertently soul cast away the antidote. You didn't need, this is one of the reasons why, one of the reasons why I want to kind of go through this is because there's been a little bit of confusion here as to what happened that day, right? Yeah. You -hmm. didn't want to eat the bread either, just in case there was something in, in it. You always refused it. When I convinced you to take a bite, you soul cast it into something else as you put it into your mouth. You said you're terrible at making organic things and what you created was revolting which is why Shalon drew earlier a picture of Yasna like completely like disgusted with the bread but she shouldn't have been disgusted it's just bread right but because she had altered it altered it and she's not good at organics right she made something completely Uh, so now the complexity is becoming a little more clear to me but Uh you got rid of the poison which is why you didn't succumb to it Right? Right. So she first soul cast the jam, then she soul cast the piece of bread she ate. So she didn't get poisoned, but the other two did get poisoned because Yasna soul casted the jam and changed the the antidote. Like she pretty much extracted the yeah. antidote out and changed it. Which is why Capsule died from right. it and why Shalon almost did. Right. But had it not been for Yasna's scene. Right, exactly. So that's why the, it's uh-huh. it's a little bit of a confusing scene. but it, It's convoluted. Yeah. Uh, and, and and like I was telling you, I found it a little little tricksy. But now that you've walked me through it again, um, it makes more sense to me. And I guess I would I would only say or add that, you know, is there is there a, a market? Is there a demographic out there for Yasna's soul-casted oddities? In terms of these foul-smelling products and foul-tasting products, Maybe. like is it possible that that could be, you know, something that Carbranth might you know be able to get behind and 
you know, really that, just support her, <laughs> her, her side business. Yeah. Her, her side hustle is look, I've soul casted. I, I don't know what, uh, I don't even know what a strawberry is. It tastes like, it tastes like a ground quail. I took this delicious spaghetti and I soul casted it into to dirt. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it tastes, it tastes like <laughs> dirt and <laughs> tastes like dirt and pencils. Yeah. Mm. Oh. Yasna's dirt and pencils. <laughs> so Shalon says, um, so when, when, when Yasna's surprised that, oh geez, you, you actually switched it that long ago after you, after she had killed the four thugs in the alley. Yeah. And Shalon says, yes, that long ago. I love that. You didn't replace it with a decoy. You didn't know that you'd been tricked yeah. until I got out the Fabriel and let you save me with it. It's all a lie, Yasna. No, Yasna says, you're just delusional from your... Uh, fatigue and the stress. So Yasna's still trying to deny yeah, this, right? She like, really she's, is. She's pushing back. Yeah. And then this is when Shalon's like, you know what? There's only one way to prove to her that I'm right. Or that she, you know, this is all a lie. Right. She's like, okay, I guess I'll have to show you if I can. And then she says in her head, creatures, this is even more, just as creepy as earlier, creatures, can you hear me? And they're like, yes, always. Jeez. <laughs> oh, Okay. I... Jeez, Louise, that's creepy. Yeah. yeah, it's creepy. The whisper came in response, though she'd hoped to hear. Uh, she'd hoped to hear it. She still jumped. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> that's so creepy. Though she'd hoped to hear it, she still jumped. Yeah. Can you return me to that place? Yeah. She asks. So she's asking, "Can I go back to Shadesmar?" Right. You need to tell me something true. It replied. <clears throat> the more true, the stronger our bond. And she, Shalon tries to get away with using a truth that's not her own here. And you gotta, mm-hmm. you gotta commend mm-hmm. her on it. Like, oh, she doesn't want to um, drop the snails big, the big... can be delicious if salted. That's true. What? Um, Yasna's using a fake soul caster. And then they're like, um, that's not true enough, Shalon. I must know something true about you. Tell me. The stronger the truth, the more hidden it is. My favorite color is red. My, I love no, red. No, black. Ah. Oh my God. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Little dash of Monty Python. Uh, it's just so good. Um, Yasna using, is using a fake. So yeah, I, I like this. That's not enough. The voice, the voice whispered. Yeah. I must know something true about you. Tell me. The stronger the truth, the more hidden it is. The more powerful the bond. Tell me. Tell me. What are you? What am I? Shalon whispers truthfully. It was a day for confrontation. Let's just reread this one line here. The stronger the truth, the more hidden it is, the more powerful the bond. Right. So I just like that. It's, it's, it's very mysterious. The more powerful the bond between these creatures and the, the individual trying to enter or communicate with Shadesmark? I think so, yeah. The, between the person who's telling the truth and the person who's receiving the truth. Right. I'm a murderer. I killed my father, Shalon says. Ah, the voice whispered, a powerful truth indeed. Mm -hmm. And the alcove vanishes, and Shalon is falling into the sea of dark glass beads, struggling to stay on top of it, managing for a moment. But then something is tugging on her leg, pulling her down, and she's screaming, slipping through the surface, panicking. The beads have parted beneath her. Um, bearing her upward, out to where someone stands, hand outstretched. It's Yasna with her back to the black sky, face lit by a nearby hovering flames. 
Yasna grabs Shalon's hand, pulling her upward onto something, a raft, made, for, made from the beads of glass, and they seem to obey Yasna's will. Idiot girl, Yasna says, waving. The sea of beads left split, and the raft lurched, bearing them sideways toward a few flames of light. Mm-hmm. And then Shalon hits the floor of the alcove. Yeah, and then they're Yasna back. Yasna sits... Yeah, they're back. A moment later, and and she's saying, Idiot girl, you have no idea how dangerous that was, visiting Shadesmar with only a single dim sphere. Idiot. So there's a couple of things Weird, here to dissect. Strange, right? Yeah, it's really, really yeah. cool. Um, first and foremost, she's talking to these voices inside her head, and in the text, it's in italics when she talks to them inside her head. Creatures, can you mm-hmm. hear me? Can you return me to that place? Yasna's using a fake soul caster, but... When she says, I'm a murderer, I killed my father, it is not italicized and it is quoted. She says this out loud in front of Yasna, not as a whisper, right. not inside right, her mind. Right. She says it out yeah. loud. So that's the first thing to, to, to note. So we mm-hmm. don't get a reaction from Yasna in this chapter about that, but we do know she says it out loud, not secretly right. to these voices. So that's, that's interesting. The other thing, too, is that um, Yasna seems to have control over in this world. She's yeah. like a superhero, bro. She comes in, saves the day, creates a raft, <laughs> looking fucking fantastic. Um, and I love here oh, she says, Yasna. idiot girl, you have no idea how dangerous that was. Not necessarily mm-hmm. coming to Shadesmar. But coming to Shadesmar with only a single dim sphere. Right. That's the thing. She's not saying you're an idiot for going to Shadesmar. You're an idiot for going there ill-prepared. Maybe unarmed. Right. Right. Very, very well thought out here. Um, If she goes over there, it seems like the more powerfully infused sphere or spheres she goes with, the better, right? right? So listen, listen, Barney Fife, you're going to need more than one bullet. Yeah, exactly. Obscure Andy Griffith reference. We only do one per season, so enjoy it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I really like that here. She's like, we're learning a little bit about, about Shadesmar. I like this, uh, this next pair. So Shalon is coughing, feeling almost as if, even though she's back, that the beads are in her throat. Yeah. Like that's really weird. Yeah. She's like, she was like drowning on beads, not on water, but on beads. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I love how Shalon's like, I have her now. She mm-hmm. knows I have her. If I spread the truth, well, what would it mean? She had strange powers. Did that make Yasna some kind of void bringer? What would that people say? That was an interesting comment. I stopped there when I read that for the first time and I thought, oh my, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Well, it means because she's strange and she can do some strange things. People yeah, automatically call strange things void bringers because that's the kind of world mm-hmm. they live in, right? Mm-hmm. And then she says, I want to be a part of it. Excuse me? Whatever you're doing, whatever it is you're researching, I want to be a part of it. You have no idea what you're saying. I know. So Shalon said, I'm ignorant. There's a simple cure for that. I love yeah. that. She stepped Me forward. Too. I want to know, Yasna. I want to be your ward in truth. Whatever the source of this thing you can do, I can do it too. I want you to train me and let me be part of your work. But you stole from me. I know, Shalon said, and I'm sorry. 
Yasna raises an eyebrow. I won't excuse myself, Shalon said, but Yasna, I came here intending to steal from you. I was planning it from the beginning. <laughs> That's supposed to make me feel better? I planned to steal from Yasna the bitter heretic, Shalon said. I didn't realize you'd come to regret the need for that theft. Not just because of you, but because it meant have it, of leaving this. What I've come to love, please, I made a mistake. A large one. Insurmountable. And I love this line, dude. This is one of my favorite yeah, lines. Yeah, this is, this is my highlight. Don't make a larger one by sending me away. I can oh, be geez. someone you don't have to lie to. Someone who knows. I love that so much. I know. It's so ballsy of her to say yes, that. Yes, yes. Like, don't make a bigger one. Like, you're telling... You're telling <laughs> Yasna Colin. It's just like, it's telling the boss what's what right. is what it is. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I love it yeah. too because it's so true. Shalon can be someone that Yasna doesn't need to lie to. Yasna's keeping these secrets. She's researching someone in secret. Uh, she's researching something in secret. She's yeah. lying about the mm-hmm. Fabriel stuff. But Shalon knows it all now. And she's like, you can, you can talk to me about this stuff. And I really mm-hmm. love that. Yeah, Yasna sits back. Yeah, Shalon says, I stole the Fabriel on the night you killed those men, Yasna. I decided I couldn't do it, but you convinced me that truth was not as simple as I had thought. You've yeah. opened a box full of storms in me. I made a mistake. Yeah. I'll make more. And in this line, I need I know. you. Right. So awesome. Yasna takes a deep breath. Sit down. Shalon sits down. You will never lie to me again, Yasna says, raising a finger, and you will never steal from me or anyone again. I promise. Shalon says, yeah. Mm-hmm. Shalon says, I promise. Yeah. Yasna sits for a moment, then sighs. Scoot over here, she says, pulling up a book. Shalon opened, sh- sorry, Shalon obeyed as Yasna took out several sheets filled with notes. What is this, Shalon asks. You want it to be part of what I'm doing. Well, you'll need to read this. Yasna looked down at the notes. It's about the Voidbringers. We sort of know great this already, chapter right? End. It's great. It's awesome. The love of the way That's it the ends. end of that chapter. And again, but like such we, a short chapter, but oh, so much in it. So much in it. Yeah, there's so much in it. Um, mm-hmm. We know that Yasna is researching Voidbringers because we actually mm-hmm. revisit this a little later in the in, in, in two chapters from now. But Shalon, mm-hmm. when she was alone in her in the room in Yasna's room, she looked through her notebooks and saw that she was collecting all these quotes about Voidbringers. So we're already privy mm-hmm. to what Yasna is going to show Shalon. Mm-hmm. Um, we just don't know why yet, and we're going to learn why <coughs> in a little bit here, uh, or we already did in our research and our reading. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, yeah, I, this whole end, like back and forth here is, if I have to pick a highlight for the chapter, it's this, you know, it's the, you know, I, I decided I couldn't do it, but you convinced me that the truth was not as simple as I had thought. Simple. So it's yeah. funny that the lesson that y- Yasna taught her ended up being the thing that made the, the theft possible and, and all this right. stuff, right? I yeah. really love it. It's great. Yeah. You convinced me that the truth was not as simple as I thought. Which is neat. And that's yeah, something that she's going to really need neat. being a scholar going forward. So that's awesome too. Well, that's what I've always thought is the truth. The truth is plural. The plurality of truth. Mm-hmm. 
which of course many would absolutely and vehemently disagree with. Yeah. But I don't. I think it's neat. Um, yeah, it's amazing. Well, and I really, I really think you've got something. I mean, I don't know where this is going to go in the, in the next few books or what, what have you, but I, I really do like that. You've opened up a ball, uh, um, a box full of storms in me. I need you. I, I don't know. I, I, there's, they, they have a, they have an interesting relationship that's beginning. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Who, I don't know where it's going to go, but, but you're right. It is, there is something kind of, uh, I guess, um. Uh, kinetic mm-hmm, about mm-hmm. it and it might not like there's i said it's not sexual it. but there's definitely no, i think you said this before but... that shalon was falling for yasna in like a yes. uh, yeah. a teacher way and a platonic way but yeah. she can yeah. still fall for people you can still fall for people that you end up not having yeah. sex with you oh, can yeah. st- you can fall in love with people who you're not i mean fall in love with is used as a very romantic thing but like you mm-hmm, can mm-hmm. you know, can fall for people whom you have great respect for and and i think that that's what's happening here is there there's a really big connection between the two of them and shalon was this innocent you know uh, um girl who got kept on the estate and now look at her she's able to walk up to mm-hmm. one of the most powerful people in the world and tell her what the business is so it's really cool <laughs> what's your highlight well my highlight i, I think it's going to be that now like now that i s- sort of let that in the box full of storms i need you I really like that. I really like the other, her taking a picture of, uh, of, uh, Yasna in a vulnerable moment of surprise. <laughs> yeah. And also, and also the other reveal where Yasna's, you know, like shocked that she took it that early mm-hmm. after she'd, she'd dealt with the, the men in the alley. Right. That, and that shocks, actually, that's the part of this chapter that shocks me is, is the sort of continual reminder that Yasna was not on top of Shalon. Can I? I still find that a shocking thing about the about Yasna is that she hadn't predicted um, Shalon's behavior. She right. hadn't picked up on it. Can I put that's, forward a reason why? Can I put forward a reason why that is? Yeah, I think you. I think I've, I've. You and I have battled a little bit on this ta- one. Yeah, we've talked um, about it a little bit. I, I, I think <clears throat> the reason why Shalon or Yasna gets duped or whatever. I think it's because mm-hmm. we were reminded all book that Yasna is tired. She's overworked mm-hmm. and she's look, always looks like she's got something bigger on her mind. And we're going to find out mm-hmm. soon what it is. She's doing this research into the Zvorbringers yeah. and we yeah. find out in the next mm-hmm. couple chapters here why. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that she's so determined and focused on this thing she's working on and working all night long on, on these things that just a couple of things get, go get by her. You know what I mean? Shalon's betrayal. And then in the next chapter, we find out that there's someone who is not as they seem. And Yasna has been interacting with them almost on the daily basis and didn't see it either. So there's, well, I don't know if we know that. Well, Shalon has been staying in Carbranth this whole time. Yes. And, yes. you know, we saw the king and her have lunch and interact. Yes. I don't know yes. if it's on a daily basis, but I would assume that they interact more than they don't interact. And Yasna still didn't see anything about the king who we're going to read about and talk about the next chapter here. Um 
So I think there's some evidence uh, here to say that Yasna, even though she's brilliant and she's confident and she's amazing, she's also overworked right now. And that can happen to anybody, you know? Yeah, I'm still not, I don't know. I'm still not so willing to just attribute it to that, that she's tired, Mm -hmm. that she let this one slip. I don't know. She seems so guarded. Um, I mean, guarded to the point where she wouldn't even accept a uh, award. Yeah. Like guarded to the point that she would refuse anyone and 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 everyone who would get close and propose such a relationship. That's true. So I don't know. So chapter seventy one, recorded in blood. Mm-hmm. This has got to be one of the most macabre um, chapters of this uh, entire book. Even with the scenes that we've seen with. You know the aftermath of these horrible, horrifying battles. Mm-hmm. Even like with the assassinations of Zeth, this chapter was a a surprise, a shock to say the least. Mm-hmm. What did you? Um, before we get into the nitty gritty of it, yeah. let me uh, let me ask you what you thought of mm-hmm. this heel turn that happens with King Tyrovangian. Sorry, this what turn? Like the heel turn? Like he, you know. We just oh, released yes. yeah. we, we just released yeah. episode twenty eight and I had to release yeah. I listen I re- always re listen to the episodes when we release them. That's this mm. week that we just released it. And in that episode, you're like, I just love Teravangian. He's you know, he actually sits by yeah. the six bed uh, bedsides and he, you know, like he cares yeah. and I really love that there's this king who really truthfully cares about the people. You know, he right. I think you said, you know, there's these politicians who will go for photo ops. And they'll show up to hospitals, but they don't actually sit with them. This guy's taking time out of his day every yeah. day to go and sit with the sick. But, oh, but with a, with a horrible right. interest and purpose, mm-hmm. you know, and absolutely, I mean, I mean, that's the worst kind of, you know, psychopathic or I, I guess, yeah, well, I guess it's psychopathic or it's sociopathic. I really don't understand the two, to, to be honest, about uh, or speak intelligently about, about mm. that. But, but it's just you're using someone to the you know the nth degree. Like you're right. you're healing someone with the purpose of earning their trust in order to take advantage. Right. Like wow, that's really creepy. Sanderson did a really, a really really good un- job unnerving. here of of making us like. Teravangian yeah. and also oh, making yeah. us believe that he was kind of a simpleton you know Yasna and yes, Shalon have he conversations did. about it yeah. and even the scenes yeah. he's in he seems like an old aged man who just oh let's have some soup and stuff and yeah, I'm a king yeah. and, you know what I mean like he really yeah. lets our guard down and we're like oh we really like this guy yeah. yeah oh yeah well I don't think unless I'm wrong I don't think that in the text there were many if any um breadcrumbs to pick up in terms of of alluding to his character being a little twisted or something's not right right now maybe i might pick up on something on a second read Mm -hmm. i don't know but i certainly didn't pick up anything that made me you know i I I was shocked i don't think there is this was a shock you have to go back and like reread some of the conversations he has with yasna right yeah. Um, cause those were the, like the meteor conversations he has, but I mean, mm-hmm. I don't, I, I didn't, I'm rereading it for how many times now and I haven't seen any evidence of, of this precursor of what's, what the true Teravangian is up to. 
And the other, and the other uh, thing about Teravangian with this king in Carbranth is that, you know, we start out this chapter with, with Zeth coming to Carbranth mm-hmm. and, you know, taking a job. He's joining the porters. Yep. He has one name left on his list. He's going to kill Bill. Right. Okay. He's got his he's, last. Yep. Yeah. He's got his last name on the mm-hmm. list. He's going. And when he, when he finds the king, when he gets to him. The king, there's a whole conversation which we'll cover, but the king basically says, stand down. Right. I'm ordering you not to kill me. His name's on the list because he put it on the list. Right. It's really he's smart. In control, he's in control of Zeth. Mm-hmm. And he pulls up like, the oath stone. And pulls up the oath stone. And, and Zeth, I mean, this whole exchange between those two, I mean, we, we, we well, well, let's, let's get to it. Yeah, let's because, get to it. So like you said, Zeth um, is in Carbranth, and uh, yeah. my, my immediate note here is what we said earlier, like, oh, I wonder if the timing is right for Zeth and Shalon Yasna to be in Carbranth at the same time, because sometimes mm-hmm. the, the um, time when stuff happens is kind of fast and loose. We don't, we're not sure if things are happening at the same time here. Um, but I, th- I have to believe if they didn't say already in the text here, you know, one year ago or one year, whatever, th- this is happening at the same time. So in my mm-hmm. mind, headcanon is when Shalon leaves the hospital to go walk towards the Palinaeum, I love, I would love to see a scene where Zeth walks by, like they, you know, they walk yeah. right by each other. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I just, I don't know. Both, like you said, both wearing white. It's just, yes. I don't know. It's yeah, so cool. Yeah. It's just very, very cool, cool imagery. Well, I mean, I like this. Yeah. So coming back to the city of bells, Zeth joining the porters. I like how it describes here that, you know, he's carrying a sack. Um, Zeth, like some of the other characters in this, like Dalinar, like, like Kaladin carrying a weight. Yeah. Right. It's weighing, weighing him down. He's he keeps his, his eyes down emotionally though. Right. Like right. the screams yeah. that he hears in his head oh, is yeah. the bridge he's carrying. Yeah. Um, he's just, he's lowering his head so partially to lower his gaze from the blazing sun, the God right. of gods who watches him and sees him, uh, sees him with his shame. Mm-hmm. But you're right. He could hear the dead scream every time he closed his eyes. Was he losing his mind? Each time he carried out an assassination, he found himself blaming the victims. He cursed them for not being strong enough to fight and kill him. Right. Wow. Like, almost like every time he fights someone, it's that person's fault that the next people are going to die. Yeah, he's like, why aren't you killing me? Why can't you kill me? If you could kill me now... All the people yeah. in the future I'm going to kill will still be alive. And so it's your fault that they're all going to die. Yeah. Right. It's crazy. Well, it's kind of, um, it reminds me of a lesson. Again, I'll default to my, my, my films. Um, Batman Begins. When Bruce Wayne is fighting with Ra's al Ghul and training. Mm-hmm. In the League of Shadows. Um, Ra's al Ghul says to Bruce Wayne, it was your father's fault that he died. Right. Because he did not act. It's that's true. That's a harsh one. I, 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 I kind of get it. Well, and that's what Zeth is kind of thinking here a little bit. Mm. It's your it's fault. It's your fault. That those people are going to die because you haven't, you weren't good enough right. to kill me. Right. I right. just, I really it's like really this foreshadowing here because he's like, you know, uh, he needs a foe strong enough to kill him. 
and at the very end of the chapter, right, um, the the new name on the list might right. be a foe that could, you know what I mean? Like I just I love this foreshadowing here. I, I need a know. foe strong enough to kill me. Your next person you have to fight is Dalinar Colin. The next person yeah. you have to kill is Dalinar Colin. I really like oh. this. It's really cool. Um, he had reached the last name in the list, the Teravangian, the King of Carbranth. Mm-hmm. He was maintaining his hospitals. Jeez, this is just so I love weird. this. A beloved monarch known for building and maintaining hospitals in the city. It was known yeah. as far away as Azir that if you were sick, Teravangian would take you in. Take Come you in. Come to Carbranth and be healed. The king loved Loved all. all. <sighs> yeah. Oh, he loved you. Even until the last minute, Sanderson is like making sure the wool is firmly over our eyes before he pulls right. it, right? Right. And then, and even the next line. So he, uh, the king was loved by all and Zeth was going to kill him. <laughs> yeah. So as, as a first time reader, I'm like, oh, this is bad. This is really bad. Yeah. Teravangian would not be smart enough to prepare for Zeth. This is what Zeth is thinking, that yeah. he was a fool, an idiot. Would Zeth never face a foe strong enough to kill him? Yeah. So the instructions here are very, very um, specific, right? Specific. He's to kill the king and no one else. Yeah, he has to to be done very quietly. Very quietly. Yeah. And he has to deliver a message to the king and make sure that the king responds. The message is, the others are dead. I've come to finish the job. Finish the job. Right. And we know later on that this is the... This is a specific instruction so that this way it gives Teravangian time to react with the Oath Stone, right? This is just, yeah, exactly. It's so well thought out. Like, like you're thinking, you're thinking like how many characters are so diabolical and masterful Mm -hmm. in terms of like, they're a, you know, um, you know, savant chess players. Right. Like Sadius's move, almost taking out Dalinar without... So much as lifting a sword. Without even getting a scratch on his armor. Yeah. Like that in and of itself. And now we get this Teravangian king. Like, wow. Yeah. Who has manipulated things so that he's killed most of the leaders in the entire world. Yeah. 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 It's intense, man. It's really intense. It's crazy. Zeth infuses himself with Stormlight from his pouch. And lays his hand on the door. He's approaching this uh, this king. Performs a full lashing. I love this this lead up when he's he's you know he's doing the full lashing. He's um, uh, lowering himself in a square of rock. Yeah. So he cuts I a square love, in the floor. I know he he and lashes lowers the himself stone gently. Yeah, I know it's it's so that it's it really slowly goes down. Yeah. Right. And and lands very gently. Right. And then he lashes it, himself like, as well. So that he can stand on it, but he's almost like weightless. Yeah. So that he's, yeah, he's weightless. So he's not making yeah. the rock fall strongly no, no, to no. the ground. No, 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 It's it. It. Like he's basically created an elevator. Right. Light as a feather out of a massive piece of stone. <laughs> it's so awesome. And sets it gently down. I mean, it really. The image of that really reminds me of the command and power of the of the Jedi. It yeah. really does. It speaks to. You know, the force being able to use, um, uh, what's it called? Te- telekinesis right. or telekinetic sort of powers, um, to overcome the physical world. And that's what these lashings remind me of. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
you know, of course. These, his lashings are more like um, Magneto's powers because they're all having to do right. with gravity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Manipulating gravity and making things weightless or not. Um, right. I, I think about... That, that is what I, the... Sorry to push back on them. That, that, that is what yeah. the Jedi are doing though. It's the meta... You're conquering the meta... The, True. The physical world, right? Of course, of course. So... Um, but like if we're talking like in a superhero type of power structure, like this falls under a Magneto kind of power, uh, uh, p- powers um, more than it would um, Superman's ability to fly, let's say. You know what I mean? Like Superman can fly. He's not manipulating gravity. He can just fly. But Magneto is actually manipulating gravity to fly. Do you know what I mean? So right. that's kind of what mm. I mean by that. Um, right. Yeah, yeah. The other thing it makes me think about is Cal... Because Cal uses his new abilities in more of a um, raw way, right? Like we saw him bring all those like arrows to his shield, and that's yeah almost more like a um, like a, a a haymaker of a move. This one really big move that drained him of Stormlight. Whereas right. Zeth here is using Stormlight in very intricate, precise ways. Mm-hmm, he's only doing a mm-hmm. quarter lashing or a tenth lashing, and he's doing all these little maneuvers that are making him more of like, um, I don't know, like he's using a lot of first level spells as opposed to using one big seventh level spell. Well, just using the appropriate amount of energy for the job. Right. Like no more, no less. Right. right. And if Cal so- knew more, he might be better at doing what he's doing but he do- he's not he's literally just swinging away and hoping that it connects mm-hmm. I love this the stone thumps softly to the floor and Zeth leaps off shedding his clothing revealing a black and white master servant's outfit underneath he rarely gave a thought to the fact that he walked on stone anymore once he would have revered a corridor of rock like this had that man once been him had he ever revered anything so this is with regards to his devotion to uh, to his religious, um, um, I guess, leanings. Yeah. Um, and he's not able to, I guess, be that anymore. He's not, that's not who he is. So such a trapped person. Yeah. Like he, he can't express himself by his religion. He's beholden to the oath stone. So he lives a life of murder, mayhem, and chaos at the behest of someone else. And just haunted by these, the voices in his head, cursing them for not being able to kill him. Like, ugh, this Zeth character is... It's a tortured like, existence. Like, if you look at the like picture think, yeah, we, at the beginning of this Calvin chapter... Calvin troubles, like, wow. Yeah. If Zeth, you look at the picture at the beginning a, of this chapter, the little symbol or whatever, it's a picture of Zeth walking with his hand, like his face in his hand. Like he, his yeah. symbol in this series is one of anguish. <clears throat> You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. He's a tortured, tortured individual. Oh, yeah. Um, so one of the men uh, holds out his hand uh, that's guarding this doorway into, into the king. Holds out his hand war, uh, wardingly, it says. Mm-hmm. Zeth grabs it, twisting it, shattering his wrist, smashing his elbow in the man's face. And with regards to the other guard, he kicks him in the stomach. Uh, even without a shard blade, he was dangerous. Mm-hmm. Infusing the stormlight and training in Kamar. Yeah. So it's like his... Um, yeah. His martial arts, katas. I guess. Yeah. yeah katas. He grabs the second guard by the hair, slamming his forehead under the rock floor and kicks open the door. Mm-hmm. I have been instructed to tell you that the others are dead. I've come to finish the job. He <laughs> raises his hands, shard blade forming. Did you hear me? 
The king responds, did you kill my guards? Zeth, son, son, Velano. And then that's when Zeth breath froze. freezes. Yeah, because he's like, he knows my name. He knows me. Yeah. You have done your work well, the king says. Leaders dead, lives lost, panic and chaos. Was this your destiny? Do you wonder, given that monstrosity of a shard blade by your people, cast out and absolved of any sin your masters might require of you? I am not absolved, Zeth says. It is a common mistake stonewalkers make. Each life I take weighs me down, eating away at my soul. The voices, the screams, spirits below, I can hear them howling. Yeah. Yet you kill. It is my punishment to kill, to have no choice, but to bear the sins nonetheless. I am truthless. So I want to I want to point a... something out here. Um, Tara Vangian refers to Zeth's shard blade as a monstrosity. Monstrosity, yeah. Mm, so that's something to to be aware of. It's new. Um, They're all revered. Shard blades are normally revered, right? The right, only person who never revered them was Cal when he was supposed to take the one that killed all of his friends. Right. And now Teravangian is calling the Shardblade a monstrosity. So that's something to, mm-hmm. to keep in mind for that the That is future. interesting. Uh, truthless, the king muses. You call yourself truth. I would say that you know much, that you know much truth, more mm-hmm. than your countrymen now. And Zeth is thinking, wow, I've judged this king wrong. He's no simpleton. Yeah, he's not a simpleton. You've seen what death and murder do to a man, Zeth. You would say, sorry, you could say, Zeth sends San Valano, that you bear great sins for your people. You cannot, you understand what they cannot, and so you have truth. Zeth yeah. uh, responds, Zeth frowns, actually, and he says, you were always him, Zeth said my unseen master. Yeah, and that's is when he pulls out the oath stone. The king sets the rock on the ground between them, Zeth's oath stone, yeah. You yeah. put your own name on the list, Zeth says, in case you were captured. The best defense against suspicion is to be grouped with the victims. And if I'd killed you? The instructions were explicit, Teravangian said. And as we have determined, you are quite good at following them. I probably needn't say it, but... I order you not to harm me. Now, did you kill my guards? I do not know, he says. Yeah. Force, okay. This I, I highlighted because this is interesting. I do not know, he says to that question. Zeth said, forcing himself to drop to one knee. Right. And dismissing the blade. He does not want this. No. I think we could see a resistance from Zeth. He doesn't, he's not being forced to a knee. He's forcing himself to a knee. Right. Right. Or later on I in know. the chapter. I just think that that's a little tell. I think that's a little for tell sure right it is. there. He, he says to himself a little later, I could kill him right now. Right. And then he stops himself because his honor will not let him. Will not let him. Yeah. Killing but all these may... people is about honor. Right. But there may come a day when that honor may be thrown away and cast aside. Hmm. That's what I'm hinting at here right. with regards to when he says, 
forcing himself. Right. I read a lot into that with regards to this saying that someday so if, he will not, he won't stop himself anymore. Like he won't, uh, he right. won't obey. He dismisses the blade. Um, I knocked them both unconscious. I believe I cracked a man's skull. Zeth was left with a terrible storm of emotions. Mm-hmm. Similar to our little Shallan. Yes. Her box of storms. This kindly contemplative man had sent him to kill and murder. He had caused the screams. Teravangian returns. Why, Zeth asks. Vengeance? Teravangian says no. Some of those men you killed were my dear friends. More insurance, then, to keep yourself from suspicion? In part, and in part because their deaths were necessary. Right. Why? Why? What could it possibly have served? Stability. Yeah, this is the Those part that here. you killed were among the most powerful and influential men in Roshar. This is an explanation for it, right? Yeah, and he, say, he says, how, how does that help stability? Trevangian says, sometimes you must tear down a structure to build a new one with stronger walls. And that, we are going to need strong walls in the coming years. Very, very, very strong very walls. Very strong walls, yeah. yeah. And I like this, Zeth's response here to this, these very, very strong walls that we need to build. Your words are like, a, are like the hundred doves. Mm-hmm. And then Teravangian responds in a, um, in a Shin proverb, which really shocks right. Zeth, right? He says, easy yeah. to release, but difficult to keep. And Zeth's like, oh my right. God, he speaks my language and also knows right. my proverbs. So this is even another evidence that people have underestimated, um, the simpleness right. of Teravangian, that he's not the simpleton they thought he was. And there's the word odd again, odd to find that in a stonewalker, yeah. even yeah. odder to find it in a murderer. Right. Yes, I speak your language. And sometimes I wonder if the life brother himself sent you to me to bloody myself so that you wouldn't have to, says Zeth. Yes, that sounds like something one of your foreign gods would do. Teravangian is annoyed at this um, um, yeah. reply. And he says, get up. Yeah. So he leads them down like a winding stairway. There's like mm-hmm. a kind of like a secret hall or whatever. He li- right. leads them to a winding a stairway. Room. Yeah. Zeth's like, hey, this place isn't on any of the plans that I've uh, been that studying. That I've had, yeah. The right? palace maps. Yeah. yeah. So he, he, he takes them to this to big at. chamber full of beds, most of them occupied. Oh, wait, though. Wait. Everything is painted white. Yes. The, the walls are all painted white. Very mm-hmm. clean, very, very neat. <laughs> I just like the setup. It's like yeah. something horrible. It makes the acts that they're doing almost more vibrant, right? They're yeah. literally draining the blood out of these people. And so the mm-hmm. bright red blood is um, yeah, like almost countering these white walls. Do you know what I mean? Well, yeah, mm-hmm. it's a, that's a really stark contrast, so, isn't it? So they walk in here and Zeth realizes that these, there's a bunch of healers in here and this call, this is probably one of these hospitals that he's like, you know, been hearing yeah. about mm-hmm. and then quickly realizes the that this is not a hospital. Mm-hmm. These healers are draining the blood from these sick people. And he notices yeah. that there's one particular woman who's waiting by the bedside of a boy and she seems to be waiting for something with a clipboard. Yeah. 
Oh, this was this was crazy. Um, yeah, I, I just I like I like Zeth's observation here. He's like a, a hospital. You expect me to find your humanitarian efforts a redemption for what you've commanded right. of me? Because again, even Zeth knows that he's this benevolent, you know, right. healer, and you know um, that he's you know brings people together to yeah it's almost like um, zest thinks offer that them help taravangian is trying to prove to him like you know i'm not all bad yeah, i'm not all bad and right. then and then even taravangian says right here he says this is not humanitarian work no just absolutely admits it what he's trying to do here is working... not prove to zest that he's a good guy he's actually trying to prove to zeth that he's actually a bad guy a bad guy and that he's yeah. got his hands full of blood as well just like right. zeth but that he's doing it to rebuild a better world. Right. See, he's still claiming that he has a benevolent, right? ultimately benevolent um, position. Reason. Because yeah. it's, it's you know, for the sake of breaking a few eggs uh, or cracking a few eggs, I get to yeah. make the most amazing omelet, right? Um, yeah. Zeth says, you're killing them. And then the king says, yes. We don't need the blood. It is merely a way to kill slowly and easily. And then that's like every one of them, Ugh. the people in this room. And then he says, this is crazy. He says, we try this to select only the worst cases to move here. For once they are brought to this place, we cannot let them leave if they begin oh, to recover. If they recover. Oh, this is, wor- this is and horrible. And this line, dude, gets me. Sometimes we need more bodies than the terminally sick can provide. So we must bring the forgotten and the lonely, those who will not be missed. So he's slowly killing sick people who are terminal, but if that's not enough, if there's not enough of those people, he's bringing in like the homeless, the the, the, the alone, the the lonely, the disadvantaged. He's bringing them in and slowly killing them. Yeah, I know. It's, it's really, it's like I said, it's, it's sinister. It's macabre. It's duplicitous. It's. Yeah, this is where he, uh, Zeth thinks like he's like you know I, I can he's like I have to do something I have to stop this and then Teravangian's right. like yeah you he had to stop this. yourself, right? And I think that's another example. Like this is the first time that we're having any encounter. I suppose it's the first time that, well, you're, like you're you're meeting the master, right? Like right. this is the master of the servant. So, right because just the guy no in the mask that Zeth. There was the guy in the mask that took the stone, right? And he said, you have a new master now, but it is not I. So that new master is Teravangian. Yeah. um, I I just think it's interesting that that Zeth is having these moments expressed of, you know, vehemently disagreeing with what's going on. Mm -hmm. So this is the second time that it mentions something like that. Yeah. He had to stop and he this. Thinks he to had himself, to. And you will yeah. still yourself, Terabangian says, and you will return right. to my side like a dog. Right. You will return. And then he's like, he could know? hear them now coming from beneath the beds, beneath the furniture, all the screams, right? And he says, or I could right. kill him. I could stop this. And then he I could stop thinks, this. I, he That's nearly the third time. did it. Right. He nearly did yeah. it, but honor prevailed. Honor prevailed. It's such a backwards thought. Well, if your honor, if your sense of honor, if your sense of honor is built in to include absolute, um, obedience to whomever holds the oath stone, mm-hmm. 
then your honor, in my yeah, opinion, your honor bound to listen to the person is yeah. is flawed. Like honor in yeah. and of itself is nothing. Again, the details matter. I um I have something really um kind of poignant to talk about here. Um, it says. Terevangian says, you see, I did not send you to do my bloody work for me. I do it here myself. I have personally yeah. held the knife yeah. and released the blood from the reins of many. Much like you, I know I cannot escape my sins. This is the line here I want to talk about. Right. We are two men of one heart. This is the reason I sought you out. We are two men of one heart. I would say that Dalinar and Kaladin are also two men of one heart. Yeah. And this is kind of like a major theme for us throughout this podcast is that mm. Dalinar and Kaladin are going through the same things together, though separately. And Teravangian... I would actually offer on your theory here to mm. interrupt you, yes. is that you and I are two men of one. Oh, dude. That's nice. Come on. Oh. Come on. That's what, we should have called that the podcast, Two Men of One Heart Podcast. <laughs> 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 um, but... Um, I th- and then Teravangian saying that he and Zeth are the same. They are two. They're the two men of one heart. And I really, really, really love this um, this line because it yeah. kind of sums up everything we've been talking about so far in this book. Well, I see. I think. Okay, so I really yes, you're right. I mean, the connections that uh, appear to be um, like the let's call it the the pairings, the mm-hmm. pairings of these characters, Yasna and. Um, Shalon. And Shalon, and of course, uh, Kaladin and, uh, and, uh, and Dalinar, and then now Zeth and Teravangian. But, but in this chapter, Teravangian just may have Zeth pinned wrong. And even though what this appears to me to be a little bit is the emperor's impression of Darth Vader. Right. You know, you will never betray me. I own Vader. He's mine. Right. And for, and always and forever will be. And the emperor doubles down on that, on that, um, that claim position. Yeah. And it turns out to be incorrect. Right. Right. So you think that there's like a, he's saying we're the same, but Zeth is like, you're hoping that he's not. It is my hope, it is my hope for Zeth, for Zeth's character, for this Teravangian, I'm sorry to say, this fucking asshole, this, <laughs> this you know, benevolent king that I fell for. I mean, I fell we for all, this king. Dude, don't feel bad. We all line. did. We Everyone did. You did too when everyone you first did. read it? Oh, I, I have never heard of anyone that has read this book who I didn't think that he, never. that thought he was this evil to begin with. I'm clutching my pearls on this one. This Ooh. guy is, yeah, this guy is, uh, is crazy. Um, yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it is, it is thematic for the book to, we are two men of one heart, but I'm hoping that he's got Zeth wrong. I'm hoping that Zeth, I think it's so funny. The journey of Kaladin and the journey of Dalinar that is to see honor, uh, sort of, be adhered to or to be expressed in the ways that they um, are hoping to see them. So you know, Kaladin is is hoping that these light eyes can behave, can um, be more than what they are. You know, he's he's <laughs> delighted to be now, you know, closer to someone like Dalinar. And I think that yeah. that's really going to be 
I hope it's going to be um, uh, be- beneficial for Kaladin. Like it's mm-hmm. something that Kaladin needs is to see this light eyes, to see Dalinar um, uh, as this honorable man. But mm-hmm. Zeth, his, I think his journey here is to break his honor. He's like not hoping opposite. to find honor. He needs to, he needs to shed it. Right. So it's almost an exact opposite sort of trajectory. I like you it. Know, of these, I like of it a lot. Characters. Yeah. So then we get um, the death rattle. We get the uh, dying delirium here. Yeah. On the beds, the day, yeah. The, the day was ours, but they took it, the boy cries. Stormfather, you cannot have it. The day is ours. They come rasping and the lights fail. Oh, Stormfather. And there's this, you know, young lady recording this. So, dude, you wondered like, where they came from. You wondered who was collecting the death rattles. Yeah. Yeah. It's right and here. you know what? I, it's given me, that's given me goosebumps. It's a very chilling, it's a very chilling um, realization that at the beginning of so many of these chapters throughout this book, the first thing you read in the Way of Kings per chapter, the first thing, is this horribly collected um, right. last dying breath words from these sick, lowly, you know, captured, imprisoned people mm. dying at the hands of this, uh, of this, uh, this king. And for what purpose ultimately to, you know, security to create, to create a new world. Yeah. Yeah. The king says, is it better for one man to sin than for a people to be destroyed? Wouldn't you say, Zeth Sunson Vanilano? He says, we yeah. do not know why some speak when others do not. But the dying see something. Yeah. It began seven years ago about the time when King Galavar. Now, let's remember that Gavilar, yeah. I said that name wrong uh, at the beginning. Gavilar, yeah. That Gavilar has been looming like a specter this whole book. Yep. He died at the beginning and he's, we're still talking about him. We're almost done the fucking book and we're still talking about him. Still talking about him. When King Gavilar was investigating the Shattered Plains for the first time, it is coming and these people see it. And I love this here on that bridge. Right. Between (laughs) life and the endless ocean of death, they view something, their words might save us. So he's collecting these because he thinks yeah. they're prophecies. Something that prophecies for something that's for coming. Something that's coming. Right. And Zeth simply remarks, "Yeah, you are a monster." He says, "Yes." And I love this. Teravangian says, "Yes." But that's I am, the third yeah. time he's can. He says, "This is no humanitarian." Yeah, he's work. not lying about. And it. then he says, "I get my hands bloody by myself." Yeah, I don't need he you to it do again. it for me. Yeah. And here he's saying, you are a monster. Yes, you bet I am. Yeah, but I'm the monster that's going to save the world. Right. I have a name to add to your list. I had hoped to avoid doing this, but recent events have made it inevitable. I cannot let him seize control. It will undermine everything. And Zeth says, who? Dalinar Colon. Yeah. I'm afraid it must be done quickly. Before he can unite the Lethe High Princes, you will go to the Shattered Plains and end him. 
It must be done brutally, I'm afraid. Yeah. I've rarely had the luxury luxury of doing it otherwise. Yeah. Yeah, Zeth says, closing his eyes, the screams greeted him. So this is clearly a setup for book two, right? Like it's the end of the chapter. Wow. Yeah. What's your uh, What's your highlight for this one? Oh, my highlight is my highlight is uh, Zeth's um, um, resistances, like having him express, you know, some dislike. You know, I had to force myself to kneel because I don't want to. I could kill right. him now, but honor must prevail. I can't. Like, there is... He is... He's becoming shattered. He's cracking. Right. That's very awesome. That's what I think. He is cracking. My highlight is that we finally get an answer to the death rattles, dying delirium. Oh, yeah. Where we finally get to find out where they come from. And it's horrible, but it's actually kind of relieving to know where they come from now, right? Like, it's... Well, (laughs) it's so funny. Like, what an amazing... Like, I I don't know. I'm, I'm still gushing. I can't... Do we still have to cover one more chapter? Yeah, we still have another chapter to talk about. All right, chapter 72, Veristatalian. Oh, boy. Yeah, so this is a very small small chapter, but it's kind of an important one. Yeah. Well, Shalon says, I need to understand something. You soul cast my blood, didn't you, Yasna? To remove the poison, Yasna says, yes. It acted extremely quickly. But you said you aren't good with organics. You turn the strawberry jam into something inedible. Blood isn't the same, Yasna says. It's one of the essences. You'll learn this. Mm-hmm. Should I actually decide to teach you soul casting? For now, yeah. know that the pure form of an essence is quite easy to make. The eight kinds of blood are easier to create than water, for instance. Eight kinds? Yeah. Eight kinds of blood. Creating something as complex as strawberry jam, however... A mush made from a fruit I'd never before tasted or smelled was well beyond my abilities. Which is totally Those understandable. Who... Yeah, this is this is a fascinating little exchange between these two. Those who soul cast, mm. do they actually use fabrils or is it all a hoax? No, soul casting fabrils are real. Quite real, actually. What of the creatures with the symbol heads, Shalon asks? And do you see them Yasma's too? Yasma's like... Um... She's like, what? Yasna frowns, taking the image. You see beings like this in Shadesmar? They appear in my drawings, Shalon says. They're around me, Yasna. You don't see them? Yasna holds up a hand. These are a type of spren, Shalon. They are related to what you do. Now listen. Two orders of the Night Radiance possessed inherent soul-casting ability. It was based on their powers that the original Fabrials were designed, I believe. I'd assume that you... But no, that obviously wouldn't make sense. I see now, she says. Okay, let's pause here. Let's pause yeah, for a second. That's, that's a lot to talk this about. This is big. Yeah, so <laughs> the symbol-headed creatures that have been haunting Shalon are a type right. of spren. Spren, according to Yasna. Yasna. Right. Um, and they are related to what you do. 
Right. So that answers Shalon's question of whether or not she's just being haunted and she can do cool stuff or if the haunting has to do with the cool stuff. And then she says, two orders of Knight's Radiance possessed inherent soul casting ability, which we know that Yasna and Shalon have inherent soul casting ability. So it would seem that they are a part of this Knight's Radiant. Yes. Yasna says, I will explain as I train you. You will need a greater foundation before you can grasp it. Suffice it to say that each Radiance abilities were tied to the Spren. We know that Kaladin is tied to an Honor Spren, right? Yeah, yeah. And now we're finding out that Shallan is somehow tied to these weird symbol-headed Sprens. right. Because remember he said, or it said, because I don't think it's it's got a gender, but um, they said, right. um, the stronger the truth, the more strong the bond. The bond, yeah. And then right. so she's like, wait, radiance? And then Yasna goes uh, full said, yeah. where's Dunny on us here and goes, I'll explain later. No ex- time to talk about it now. <laughs> yeah. But first we, but first we must speak of the void bringer, she says. Yeah. And Shalon says, you, you think they'll return, don't you? And Yasna says, what makes you say that? The legends say that Voidbringers came a hundred times to try to destroy mankind. I read some of your notes. You what? Mm-hmm. I was looking for information on soul casting, Shallan confesses. confesses. Yeah. Um, well, I suppose it's the least of your crimes. I love that. Why are you bothering with these stories of myths and shadows? Other scholars... Scholars that you know and respect consider the Voidbringers to be a fabrication. Yet you chase stories from rural farmers and write them down in your notebooks. Why, Yasna? Mm-hmm. Yasna looks over her sheets. Do you know the real difference between me and a believer, Shalon? I really love this, Jack. This, this is next amazing. little part here. Yeah. Um, she says, it strikes me that religion in its essence seeks to take natural events and ascribe supernatural causes to them. Which you could say that in our world, I think, too, which is a really, really neat kind of explanation. I, however, when she's like lumping herself in with science, seek to take supernatural events and find the natural meaning behind them. Perhaps that is the final dividing line between science and religion. Opposite sides of a card. So she's talking about like a tarot card here. Yeah. Um, Well, certainly just two... Yeah, I suppose a tarot card where on one side you would have a sort of a a mystical depiction, something that you have to derive meaning from. Mm -hmm. And on the other side of the card is the, you know, um, the, you know, physical explanation, like the scientific corroborated, um, you know, um, knowledge that can be easily verified and, and is repeatable in its Mm -hmm. results, Mm -hmm. if that's the right way of saying it. Verifiable, you know. This is a really, really cool little blurb about yeah. science and religion here. I really, yeah. really love it. I um, and coming from Sanderson, who is Mormon, he's a you know he's very, like a religious dude. Um, mm-hmm. I like how mm-hmm. he doesn't. He's not demeaning non-religion. Do you know what I mean? Like he's giving a really astute no. way of looking at people who are scientists and scientific th- th- uh, right. th- reasoning and stuff. I really love it. Well, so for me, like I've had these thoughts for a long time now and, um, for me, like 
I think that one of the greatest things that humans search for and um, derive meaning from are stories. Stories are at the center of the expression of humanity. Mm -hmm. And stories are what echo. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for me, you know, whether you're, you know, whether it's the stories of, of the Bible um, or the, the ancient Egyptian stories of Makat, or if it's, you know, Star Wars. Did you just say the uh, deep stories of Makak? Makat. Um, the oh, Egyptian, sorry. Uh, the deep yeah, stories sorry. of Makak. I think I'm saying that right. I, I, I may not be, but... Um, but like no just i know it's just it's just stories in general like Sorry. i find them fascinating i've always it's like us dissecting the way of kings right. by brandon mr sanderson right we are deriving meaning mm-hmm. from mr sanderson's work that right. informs us about our existence our experience i should say our right. journey mhm you're right so so whether that story is the story of Jesus Christ or... Or Kaladin Stormblast. Uh, or Moses or Kaladin or Luke Skywalker or or Frodo. And now I'm mm-hmm. picking, of course, things that I love. I mean, I'm sure that you could derive much meaning from other stories that have nothing to do mm-hmm. with fantasy, you know? Yeah. How about, in, how about inspirational, real, uh, how about real figures that exist? Bi- biographical stories, mm-hmm. you know? Stories are what, yeah. So I find that whether you're deriving that meaning metaphysically, my only concern with religion, with claims that you can't easily substantiate these two opposite sides of the cards, so to speak, my only concern with religion is when it leads um, humans, certainly groups, into pernicious beliefs. That's where I... Um, have a problem. Mm-hmm. And it's not that science has much to say, maybe, about pernicious beliefs, but perhaps it does. Perhaps science has a lot more work to do on that front. But anyways, right. you're right. This is a I fascinating just really appreciate, paragraph. F- f- yeah, for, for me, I just really appreciate the fact that he um, he's a religious man himself, but doesn't mm-hmm. overly push the religious side of this story there is this equal balance of yeah. people's beliefs and people's non-beliefs and mm-hmm. um this this just this this one paragraph is just mm-hmm. a really shining example of the, his mm-hmm. ability to route out right outside of himself do you know what i mean and yeah. i really love Oof. that completely yeah i just well i mean a lot of respect he yeah a lot of respect he's uh, he, i you know i don't know the i don't know the guy um but i would i would assume that he's He's fascinated by, by much. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and that's why he can write about so much. Right. Um, which is just wonderful. So, so Um, all that said here, um, the, the, the point Yasna is trying to make is that the Voidbringers had a real world correlate. So the, the stories about the Voidbringers came from somewhere, right? She's like, I'm certain of it. Mm-hmm. Something caused the legends. Right. What was it? Right. And then she's like, these the best are, I've been yeah. able to find. She's like, you have to read these notes here because this is, this right. will tell you everything that I'm thinking. Right. And then we get 
Shalon's so Shalon scans the pages, yeah. some of the quotes, at least the concepts were familiar to her from what she'd read. And they and it are says, familiar You're to suddenly us dangerous. Too. You're right. And it says suddenly dangerous, like a calm day that became a tempest. Right. Yasna says they were real. Beings of ash and fire. Right. Yasna says we fought them. We fought so often that men began to speak of the creatures in metaphor. A hundred battles, ten tenfolds, flame and char, skin so terrible, eyes like pits of blackness, music when they kill. These quotes here, Jack, these like italicized quotes are the ones we've read through the book. Right. When we, in part three, when we realized that um, the notes, the epigraphs at before every chapter were the notes in Shalon's book, well, now Shalon is, be, or in Yasna's book, Shalon is now reading these quotes, realizing, oh, I think I know what this means. And now right. we are starting to know what this means, too. I know, it's amazing. Shalon felt a chill when Yasna says, we defeated them, but the we legends lie them. about one thing. They claim we chased the Voidbringers off the face of Roshar or destroyed them, but that's not how humans work. We don't throw away something we can use, which is fucking an incredible oh, line. That's cr- I know. We can use, especially after reading about King Teravangian. Using Zeth? Yeah. Something we can, well, not using Zeth, but these people. Right. The deaths use, of these people. I don't throw away something I can use. Right. A, a person dying? Yeah, it's that's a really, really good point. That it's it's mirroring what <sighs> like, we just read. It's just it, it reminds. It's just it's Radiohead for me. Ambition makes you look really ugly, and it's just one of the greatest lines. Oh, God, fucking, I, I've been. My son's really getting into Radiohead, that's and so um, we're that's just so we're just tearing apart all their songs. And we need we need to do a music and, podcast where we can talk about music because there's just so much to talk oh, about. Oh, buddy, yeah, I could go on and on about that. But so, yeah, ambition makes you look look pretty ugly, and yeah, it's that's always line. stuck with me. And um, and I see it over and over in real life, but certainly in this in this book as well. Such a good song, exactly. Oh, it's yeah. amazing. It's, it's crazy. Um, uh, Parshman so with I, skin of black and red, mm-hmm. ash and fire. Stormfather Shalon says, we didn't destroy the Voidbringers, Yasna said from behind, her voice haunted, we enslaved them. Right. Oh boy. What do you think, dude? Are you, ki- are you kidding me? That's like the yeah. best. That's like amazing so that's the that's the end of the chapter it's a yeah. three-page chapter and yeah that's it's crazy the void bringers are on the shattered planes the void bringers are the ones who have been broken um i certainly didn't see that coming uh, i didn't see I it no, coming when I, I first read I, it too. I didn't see it coming at all i didn't make the connection of of um uh char and uh uh, char and is it char and blood? Uh, flame and char. Oh, flame and char. It's flame and char. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't make that connection, and that's a wonderful little little um um little breadcrumb to uh, mm-hmm. to have littered in in the book. Yeah, because those quotes were definitely really nice... in the book. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 So for me. You know, these void bringers, these beings that we've fought and, you know, uh, um, and yet 
there they are on the shattered plains. They're not just on the and shattered at, plains. They're everywhere. I know. I know. But there they are on the shattered plains. And at the end of the, in the previous chapter with Dalinar Colon surviving that battle, he gets a, he gets a moment of respect. Right. From these void bringers. Right. Well, from these Parshendi. Well, if they are the Voidbringers, if yeah, if what right. I've just read Yasna is true. Yasna thinks that they they were Voidbringers. Right. And we right. know that there's a difference between Parshman and Parshendi. And Parshendi, yeah. Right. The difference for me appears to be, you know, broken and wild. Right. Like horses. Yeah, true. That's what that's what it appears to me. You've got wild stallions. And then you've got a broken horse. Sorry. That's yeah. Wow. A little Bill and Ted's uh, guitar like there. Can we insert a little, a little guitar sound? Excellent. Whoa. Um, <laughs> whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I totally fell out of my suit. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Love that movie. Um, um, but yeah, uh, it's uh, what a reveal. Yeah. This is amazing. Yeah. It's a crazy reveal. It's amazing. And, and again, when you're looking at that cover. Yeah. See, a- after that chapter, after Veristatalian, I'm looking at, on my cover of Wave Kings, yet again, differently. Right. I was already wondering about it the entire series, what moment this was, who this was. Then I get to find out that it's my, it's my protagonist who's so far away. Yeah. And it's my supposed enemy that is up close honoring Dalinar Colon in the escape yeah. of this horrible battle and yet spoken throughout the entire novel these void bringer beings right and yet there they are right it's crazy i don't know it's crazy i really um so it's a really short chapter do you do you have a, a highlight for this what's the highlight Oh, jeez. Well, the highlight must and has to be. Um, the reveal? The reveal. That's not how humans work. We don't throw anything away we can use. Yeah, that's really great. That is a really great line. Ugh, it's it's awful. My uh, my highlight... We didn't destroy the Voidbringers, to... we enslaved them. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. If I, if I didn't pick... The same, if I don't pick the same one, which I probably should, but if I don't pick the same right. one, I right. love these, just this tiny little nugget here we get from Yasna about what Shal- what Shalon is going through, you know, mm-hmm. that the uh, symbol heads are spren and that two right. orders of knights radiant possessed inherent soul inherent. casting abilities. So we're like getting a little hint here that maybe Shalon's actually going through something similar that Caliban's going through. Yes. So I really love yeah. that. I uh, we're yeah. not. That's not even yeah. like really on our radar yet because we don't really no, know anything. No, no. But other you're right. I mean, the, the connection to a spren, right? Right. So if that's provided, Yasna is correct. Right. Exactly. I'm just Which we're not that. sure if she is, and we know from the book. I'm not sure. Before sure. that, just because one character says a truth doesn't make it mm-hmm. true. Right. Right. So, you know what is yep. really true though, is my <laughs> love for info dumps. I just, you know, yes. Are we at another info dump? You, you take right. a, you know, take a long time and then you just do all this stuff, try to podcast three times in a row with your friend. And then you finally get to the info dump. It's really satisfying. 
it's pretty satisfying. Yeah, I'm glad a, that we're here. It's nice. Oh God, I'm. Hi. I don't, I'm gonna say it, but I don't mean to. It's a really nice, satisfying dump. Um, I apologize. <laughs> I don't know why the info dump. We really got to change info dump from like a poop scenario because it's just really gross. Um, uh, an info dump, info depot. Uh, info de- the no. info depot. <laughs> We might get sued by a couple of places for that. Um, Info Depot. Um, so right off the top, uh, I want to talk about the suicide attempt. Um, when we recorded yeah. a while back, we had recorded the actual episode where Shalon cuts herself. Um, I had implied that um, it was a suicide attempt, even though it didn't really say it in the script. And then the next episode we recorded that dealt with it when Mm. Shalon woke up in the Mm -hmm. hospital, it seemed to imply that Shalon didn't actually try to attempt suicide just to cut herself and make it look like an accident. And then now in this chapter, in uh, the first one that we we did, um, Sea of Glass, she refers to it as a suicide attempt again. So this is a little bit confusing because I... You know, when we recurred to that first chapter, that first chapter that dealt with it, I was like, it's yeah. a suicide attempt. She's trying to kill herself. She's trying to make it look like she killed herself. But in looking back on it, the the stance of that has changed a couple of times. She, she made it seem like, oh, I was just trying to, like, even in her own head, I was just trying to hurt myself a little bit, but not kill myself. And then she tells Yasna, remember that night I tried to kill myself? I tried to make it look like a suicide. So... These right, these things but, are not necessarily lining up for me a little bit here. So this is the reason why I, I was a little maybe, confused when in recording because there's diff- there's separate views on this whole event. It could be that she's reinforcing what Yasna understands to be true. Mm-hmm. Right. That's so Yasna come. So Yasna coming in the room sees the blood. Um, her hand is, or sorry, her arm is cut. Right. She's bleeding out. Mm-hmm. So appearances are that she has um, tried to commit suicide. Right. It just seems um, weird, though, that when all the cards are laid out on the table, um, Shalon says, yeah, that suicide, like when I like, uh, tried to, sh- like, you know, do a mock suicide attempt. But then why wouldn't, like, why wouldn't she say before that she was just trying to hurt herself a little bit to not not actually make it look like a suicide, but that it was an accident? I don't know. The, the change of narrative here is... Like one of the only times in this book that consistency hasn't been the same. So I don't know if that's a a writing problem or if it's just us still trying to understand it properly. Right. I'm not sure. Yeah. I just, Mm. I wanted to bring it up because I, um, I made, like, I felt like I made a mistake or I, I said something and then the next episode I'm like, oh, sorry everyone, I made a mistake when I said this. But then now it seems to reinforce the mistake that I made which is now mm-hmm. not a mistake. So it's a little confusing. So I just wanted to mm-hmm. clarify that I also sure. am a little confused about the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so the other thing in the info dump here is Zeth calls the sun, the God of gods, which is very right. interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The God of gods. I like yeah. that a lot. Um, we have a mm-hmm. lot of religious imagery in here, a lot of different cultures with different beliefs. So I just wanted Life to point brother. this one out. Life brother is the other one. Yeah. I was just going to yeah. say that um, uh, Teravangian wonders if the life brother sent Zeth to him. Um, Life Brother, either this is a new entity slash God that we haven't heard of before, or it's one that we've already heard about that has a different name. Because we know that a lot of the gods and heralds in these stories go by several different names and titles. Right. So this could just be another version of, like, this could be uh, um, Kalak, 
the one that uh, Teft always yep. says. The life brother yep. could be another nickname for Kalak. We don't know. So, no. So there's that. Um, That's neat. Yeah. Um, the other thing I thought was really interesting was Zeth mentions a pissing trough. Um, <laughs> yes. Zeth passes yeah, a guy right. taking a whiz yeah. on his way to kill the yeah. king. Yeah. On his and way, this is yeah. a little weird. Is this, I don't remember really ever reading any character that ever took a piss or a poo in a book or in a, sh- like you, normally you well, don't well, take didn't... care of yourself. You don't relieve yourself in the story. You know what I mean? Hang on, hang on. He passed by a guy doing it. Yeah, he passed Zeth by a dude pissing in a pissing trough. And right, the guy right. zipped up, or not zipped up, buttoned up and wiped his hands on his pants and then like nodded to Zeth as he walked by. Like, yeah, hey, buddy. Yeah. But normally we don't see people pissing and taking shits in. We saw dump spren or what we think might have been dump spren. We made jokes about. Take- Did you want to put a real dump in the info dump? Because I think that's what you're trying to do here. No, no, not at all. I'm not. I'm not trying to validate the info dump by bringing in <laughs> pissing and shitting. I'm just saying that there's an actual real world pissing trough in this book. And I don't remember ever reading like you don't. I didn't ever read in Wheel of Time Rand or Perrin taking a piss or taking a shit. Aragon or Legolas never took a piss or shit in any of those stories. So no. So no. it's just weird that this this random character comes in. I feel like it, this might have been a bet. Like someone was like, hey, Sanderson, I bet you you wouldn't write someone taking a piss in your story. And he's like, watch me. Hold my beer. <laughs> Um, the old my beer. Well, uh, that's quite the observation. I, um, I just thought it was, uh, um, you know, whimsical to include it, uh, you know, a, a little descriptive, a little raw, you know, I, that's, that's all I yeah. read I'm into sure, it. I'm sure I it is. I just, I wanted to say that like, you know, I don't remember seeing that in anything else before. Um, <laughs> so the last thing I have here for the, uh, the info dump is that, um, Zeth lowers himself down on that block into a light eyes bathroom Mm -hmm. and that line is very specific this is not a bathroom this is a bathroom only for light eyes so Mm -hmm. this is like segregated light eyes and dark eyes not sharing the same bathroom it um Mm -hmm. it speaks volume about their um about their society and their cultural divide because it tells us as you know, people living in this, uh, in this world, Cast we know system, what yeah. it was like for those back in the day who had separate yeah. bathrooms, who had to drink from separate fountains. And, yeah. um, so yeah, it kind of informs us how this society runs, which is really shitty for dark, for dark eyes. Yep. So. Yeah. But yeah, that's the end of the, uh, the info dump. Um, I, uh, uh, we are going to be covering th- three more chapters now for the next episode. So 73. Close. 74 and 75. They're very short chapters again. I think uh, 73 is the longest of the three. And then the next two are pretty short chapters. They're like another two, two pagers or whatever. Um, but uh, yeah, and then so we'll be doing, that'll be next episode. That'll be episode 43. And then episode 44 will be our finale. We will cover the epilogue, which is the very last piece of writing in the book. And then- Wait a second. Mm, are these the last three chapters of part five? Of part five. There's only six chapters. That's why I divided them up into two uh, two, two episodes. Because um, they're so all really short. Th- so there's these last three chapters, then there's the epilogue, and that's it. And then that's it. There's only two more episodes. And I'm done the way of kings. And then you're done the way of kings. Wow. Pretty crazy, eh? 
<laughs> it's really interesting. I'm so excited. This is amazing. Yeah, I'm excited. If you're excited about the show, you can head over to patreon.com slash heroes of and support. If um, you do, uh, you will get early access to all of our episodes. You will um, get um bonus material on the site uh you will get a big virtual hug from jack and i it's gonna be a big bear hug um mm-hmm. <laughs> a spicy bear hug um <laughs> if you want to reach out to us and uh, ask us any questions or interact with us you can always do so at heroes of at gmail.com you can reach out at, uh, on twitter at heroes of one you can uh search for all of our awesome uh pictures and all the uh, fan art that we've been finding from all of the awesome mm-hmm. fan, uh, stormlight archive fans at the storm pod on instagram um but yeah that's it dude this is the uh this is the episode um two more to go and we're done for the season two more to go wow it's been a long time coming it has been yeah and it's been really great it's been a a good journey it has been yeah but the destination (laughs) is coming up very soon it is isn't it it is yeah anyways uh take care everybody we love you and uh till next time storm pod is brought to you by heroes of theme song by jack forrest productions Additional music by Jason Moray. Produced by Jack, J, Phil, Mike, and Sean, the heroes of Hakathra.